planning on traveling this summer? Make saving at the pump part of your plans with two times the fuel points from Harris Teeter. It's easy. Download your eVic coupon, and for every dollar you spend with your Vic card, you'll get two fuel points. That's up to $1 per gallon on quality fuel at participating BP and Harris Teeter fuel centers. Download your eVic coupon today and save money at the pump all summer long with eVic and Harris Teeter fuel points. The first person to survive Alzheimer's disease is out there, and the Alzheimer's Association is going to make it happen. But we won't get there without you. Visit ALZ.org to join the fight. Get ready, sports fans, because the Rao Report starts right now. Slasher Sports Production. We're here with another 30-team preview as we get closer and closer to opening day, and I'm here with the co-host of the Lockdown Reds podcast, Jeff Carr. Jeff Carr, he's just a simple man trying to make his way through the universe. I think that's one of the coolest tweets, my friend. I love that as your bio. How's it going? How you doing? I'm doing good, Christian. Can't really take a lot of credit for it. I copied it from Django Fett, but yeah. <laughs> hey, Big Star Wars guy. The best way to make yourself look good is through copy and paste. I've been told that a time or two. So, <laughs> uh, but welcome to the podcast. I'm really excited to have you on. I love the po- uh, the Lockdown family, as uh, I've stated in a, a couple of my past podcasts. It's always a blast and always a great conversation when I have a one of the hosts on, and it's going to be no different. I'm sure I've heard a lot of great episodes for you. So if you haven't heard any of his episodes, please go ahead and do so. You're not going to miss out. Uh, you've probably heard Jeff's, Jeff's voice if you've heard any Lockdown, because he seems to be on almost all the commercials. But he has a great show himself, as he's uh, the co-host of Lockdown Reds. They give you the Cincinnati Reds Monday through Friday, every day, uh, especially even in the off season. But Jeff, I noticed they didn't have him all the time during the lockout. Uh, but I, I'll tell you what, I don't know how you could do a day after day podcast in that lockout. How did you enjoy your off season? Yeah, um, other than the lockout, it was pretty nice. Got a lot of good football going on here in the city of Cincinnati, if you're talking about college or professional, so that was a lot of fun. But, uh, yeah, no, the lockout, uh, it it obviously seemed to just prolong what the Reds were going to do. But hearing about all of this and that and who's not happy with who and that that in and of itself took a little bit of time away that uh, it's like, all right, let's uh, – Let's uh, take my mind off of baseball for a day or two. That that helped out a little bit. <laughs> well, you had a very nice, uh, very nice way of doing that. I mean, the Cincinnati Bengals making the Super Bowl the second year of Joe Burrow. Man, I mean, he's a fun quarterback to watch. I'm a Buffalo Bills fan myself, so I mean, I get the Josh. I know how it is. Nice to have a nice quarterback in the in the oh, days yeah. now. How do you like Joey Joey Burrow? Uh, Joey B's the best man. We got all the Joey B stuff I can get and got the chance. I actually had some season tickets to the Bengals this last year. So that was a lot of fun. Going to have them again this year. And uh, I, I couldn't imagine how like merit wise, the Bengals were ever going to build some kind of franchise without, you know, getting the number one pick and getting the guy like Joey Burrow. So here we are. Hopefully they can protect them, which, you know, this rebuilt line that they did in free agency looks like it might do just that. 
Yeah, so far so good. Speaking of free agency, but on the other side of the sport, the sport we're talking about here at the Route Report, talking about these Reds, crazy stuff happening in the free agency and the offseason for this team. A couple head scratchers, if you might, if I might add. Now, let's put, kind of try to put some of them together. Last season, Cincinnati Reds were a pretty competitive team in the NL Central. They, um, to some people, might have said came out of nowhere, but there was a nice increasing progressive, uh, progressing. Um, you know, competitive way by the Cincinnati Reds for the last few years. And they really made a name for themselves last year, just missed the playoffs. Uh, the NL Central, I mean, this, the Cardinals with their with their run. Uh, regardless, I, I, I digress. But looking at the offseason this year, they trade, make a, a, a very questionable trade, might I add, that puts them in a, what I like to call right now, a half-assed rebuild. Yeah. Now, I'm not a Cincinnati Reds fan. I don't follow them as closely as you do. Not many people in the world may, may do follow them as close as you do, as a, someone who talks about the Cincinnati Reds on a daily basis. Try to make sense of this trade in this offseason so far for me, for the Cincinnati Reds, if it's possible. Well, the interesting thing <laughs> is the owner just, uh, he just did a thing where he said that, yeah, none of it was payroll-based. I'm not buying that for a minute. And I don't think most of Red's country is either. Uh, the first couple of moves they did this offseason were to trade Tucker Barnhart to the Tigers for a minor leaguer nobody heard of and to hand Wade Miley, literally waved him, and uh, the Cubs pick him up for nothing except for the pleasure of paying his contract. So those were the first two signs to me that, okay, the Reds are going to rebuild. They're going to take a step back for whatever reason. In this expanded postseason era, they would have made the postseason with last season's record. So even if they'd have stood pat and, you know, maybe they don't bring Nick Castellanos back, but maybe they keep everybody else, you could kind of see a scenario where they make the playoffs. But instead, they decided to get rid of a bunch of people. And not only that, they made this whole statement before the lockout began of we have to realign our payroll to our resources. And they said that in order to do that, they're not going to trade any highly touted prospects to get rid of bad contracts. So what do we call trading Jesse Winker with a Eugenio Suarez to the Seattle Mariners? I mean, I guess he's not a highly touted prospect. He's a highly touted major leaguer who made the all-star game last season. So sure, I guess they didn't lie. They didn't attach any highly touted prospects. But at the end of the day, this just all looked like cost-cutting. And then they did a 180. It was almost as if they read the reaction of their fans and they said, oh, we did something bad. We now need to fix it. And we'll go get people. We'll trade for Mike Miner. We'll sign Tommy Pham and Hunter Strickland. And everybody is confused because these moves with the other players that they got away, if, if they hadn't given them away and they still had them, this team is a pretty good team. But you have essentially replaced somewhere, depending on what website you're looking at, somewhere around 16 wins above replacement with a bunch of players who total about seven wins above replacement. Sure, there's money saved, but they keep telling us they did this on a performance-based reason. And I just don't see that. So the plan, as it were, I just kind of look at the Joker in Dark Knight Rises, or Dark Knight, where he was just like, I'm just a dog chasing a car. And that's kind of what it feels like the Reds are doing right now. It's hard. It's hard to put it together. And you just did it the best that I could even imagine. And still a <laughs> lot of question marks without without a doubt. Yeah. I listened to some of your shows before all this crazy stuff happened. 
there was a couple times where you and your co-host were asking the question, like, what will happen with the Reds? You know, will Sonny Gray get traded? That'll be kind of like the biggest one you were stated. And you thought that was going to be the biggest one. Obviously, there's no way you could have told that or, or even, you know, found out that these trades were going to happen with Suarez. And, and no. Now, the Suarez one, if you're going to talk about cap, I guess that one makes sense if you didn't want to hold on to his money because he was getting a lot of money. But adding Winker to that one, that's got to hurt as a Cincinnati fan. Yeah, because I think uh, SpotTrack had his arbitration el- uh, possibility of being like five and a half, maybe six million. Like, come on, that's nothing, especially for a guy of his productivity. And we really thought that if you're talking about trading a Eugenio Suarez, it was going to be in the middle of the season after he had had some sort of minor bounce back through maybe the first month or two of the year, because the month of September for him this last year was amazing. And every other month outside of that was horrible. So I didn't even think he had trade value. And his contract was not bad. His contract was actually pretty good in terms of most teams. But for the Reds, it was just too expensive. In fact, before they signed Tommy Pham, there was a moment where Ken Griffey Jr. was the sixth highest paid Red on the team. Because his contract is still deferred and they're still paying it from when he was a Red all those years ago. So it's really just sobering to say things like that. And then they signed Tommy Pham. Okay, so now he's the seventh highest paid red. Congratulations. Um, but I think overall, when you looked at that Winker-Suarez deal, sure, Brandon Williamson looks interesting, but Justin Dunn has a shoulder injury that apparently the Reds were well aware of when they made the deal. And they keep telling us about how this player to be named later is going to be something fantastic. And I'm like, Whoever made a trade that had three players who are named now and one player to be named later, and you're that excited about the player that has yet to be named? Like, only only the Reds, I guess. I, I don't know. <laughs> I I don't think I've ever heard a trade where the player to be named later fans out to be anything big. Now, I could be wrong. There's plenty of times where those trades happen with, you know, a player to name, be named later. But not one comes off my head, so... The odds are not be like a handful of times ever. Like, right. I don't even know. <laughs> right. And that, that would be an episode and a fun episode in itself, or at least a fun article of what, what was the most successful player to be named later. But that'd be, that'd take a lot of research. So you talked a little bit about the Seattle trade, uh, you know, while we're still on this, cause there's, I mean, this is a lot of unpacked to what Cincinnati did this oh. off season. Is there any other rays of sunlight from these trades? Maybe the Sunny gray trade or the Garrett trade, any of these, that make you excited or maybe just hopeful that they made the right choice or at least can help the future of this organization. I am hopeful about Jake Fraley. He seems like a fun dude to root for because whenever the Reds announced the deal, there were of course the typical people on Twitter that like to respond in kind and, and say some, you know, Twitter bad stuff. And he responded to all of them and they were hilarious responses that it wasn't like he was trying to fight with them. And he was almost like sarcastically agreeing with them. It was hilarious. So I like rooting for him, but obviously his bats much worse than Jesse Winkers though. He's got some potential being a left-handed bat at great American ballpark. That's there's always potential there. And then in the Minnesota deal where they sent Sonny Gray to the twins, they get back chase petty. who's not going to be in the major leagues for a few years because he just came out of the draft out of high school, but he was a first round pick by the twins and has an electric arm. And I love those words, electric arm. Give me a high velocity fastball. We're going to see that with Hunter green this season. So, you know, maybe he's a guy that you write into the plans four or five years down the road. So that's, 
something, although the risk is still very high on that. And then Mike Miner, if he can bounce back, I mean, you know, Wade Miley came to the Reds as a potential bounce back candidate. He had a nice year with the Houston Astros the year before, but that month of September was kind of rough. And honestly, his month of September last year was kind of rough. So Mike Miner fills in interestingly there as a bounce back candidate, and you'd like to see that happen. But overall, I kind of felt like this Reds team was just going to get younger and, and let young guys play, and we'll see what happens. Sure, they might only win 72 to 76 games, but we got a really good core for the future, and it's very evident because they've gotten plenty of major league playing time. Now it's a little bit less clear because you also add Donovan Solano to the mix, which I like him against left-handed pitching, which is something the Reds were terrible against last year. And hopefully they're at least better this year because you just figure the law of averages, right? But we'll we'll have to see how that all goes down. And then Tommy Pham as well. But overall, I think that hoping the Reds get back to the wild card is kind of the ceiling for this team. There's a lot of hope that is involved. Although I think that they're a year or two away from being serious contenders. It's just they kind of reset their own clock and to nobody's fault but their own yeah it almost seems like with the expanded playoffs a spot that as you said earlier if this was last year would have made the cincinnati reds a playoff team now that that is in in play and in 2022 that playoff team can happen or that 16th that sixth seed can happen in the national league the reds are not going to compete for that spot Seems like a weird year to take a setback, huh? <laughs> yeah, very weird, weird, and yeah. a year, very weird year, might I add. And and does you think any of this is this now? Is this something that is known with Cincinnati baseball? Like, for example, someone in your division named the Pittsburgh Pirates love to do things like this. So, is this a normal Cincinnati thing as well? Is this something maybe they have to do with the new CBA talks, or is this just right time for what they hope will be? Uh, a step in their future. I'm a little bit hopeful that it's, you know, they, they've figured out a new plan because this is the pattern. The pattern pretty much for my entire lifetime is let's go real hard. Let's compete real hard for like two years and then take a step back for three or four or five. Uh, you look back even just at the beginning of the 2010 a decade when it was 2010 they win the division 2011 they have a rough year didn't quite make the playoffs like they were hoping to but then 2012 they win the division going away but they don't have any playoff success then 2013 they're a wild card team Johnny Quater drops a ball on the mound they lose to the Pirates and then 2014 starts and they have no hope whatsoever and then 2014 through 2019 nobody is expecting them to do anything and they don't they don't do anything at all so then 2020 comes around okay we're going to load up again. We're, we traded for Trevor Bauer the year before. We signed some guys like Castellanos and Moustakis and Miley, and we're going to compete. And then COVID happens, and then a shortened season, and some crazy shenanigans go about, and they don't score a run in 22 innings against the Braves. Okay, let's reset for 21. But they don't. They trade away two relief pitchers in an area of the team that was already kind of weak. You, you looked at the bullpen, and you said they could get better there, and they decided to get worse. And so because of that, their bullpen is a mess the entire year and was the a number one reason that they didn't make the playoffs. So then they just decided to rebuild again. 
the front office has said we want to eliminate peaks and valleys to which they were lambasted for the fact like well we at least like some peaks let's let's have some peaks here and there and not just all valleys but i understand what they're saying they want to be sustainably good they want to kind of be like what the cardinals do the cardinals are never out of it they're always in it no matter what year you're talking about and even when they miss the playoffs they miss it by a couple of games but they're always in that conversation all year long the Reds no longer want to be that team that is out of the conversation by the month of July, although it looks like they may have to do that this year, probably not next year, but maybe next year as well, before they can finally get to it. 2024, there's a couple of things that happen. A lot of con- a lot of guaranteed money comes off the books, and a lot of really talented prospects are supposed to be either up already or making their debut. So there's going to be a very high expectation target for 2024 but for these next two years it just feels like more of the same where they're like yeah okay we're we're fine with not winning a ton of games for the next two years because it means eventually we'll be able to for the price tag that we are willing to pay lots of prospects as you stated in the cincinnati reds organization a lot of really fun ones but ed you mentioned earlier about hunter green he is one of the most highly anticipated prospects in all of baseball uh, he's going to be a very fun pitcher to go. Uh, first round pick of, was it 2018, was it? 20... 2017. 2017. I've been waiting oh. on him a long time. Oh, man. So uh, <laughs> that's going to be uh, a really fun one. He he had Tommy John. That's what pushed him back, right? Tommy John, and, and he was drafted straight out of high school. But, yeah, Tommy John was the big setback there. So how do you feel about him, and what are some other prospects you think it could make a direct impact maybe to the team this year? I love Hunter Green. And the little bit that I've seen, I've, not to say that, what he's done this spring is the reason that I'm excited. It's everything else that's all kind of rolled into this one story. But what I've seen from him this spring is poise on the mound. He has very repeatable mechanics. He used to have a very wild motion that's gone. It's a very sound mechanical uh, way of delivering the ball to the plate, but he still hits 104. He still has a crazy high velocity on that fastball. Then you mix in a slider that he is at least able to locate in a very safe place. He usually features it low and away to right-handers. He has tried to hit the inside corner with a little bit, usually ends up being more of a chase slash waste pitch. But the biggest thing for him this spring, and, and everybody is reporting that it's right where he wants it to be, is his changeup. He has so uh, a 100-mile-an-hour fastball that reaches 104. He has a 91-mile-an-hour changeup. And pretty much all the responses from other hitters have been, where did that come from? Because he's able to hide it. He's able to deceive hitters and make them think he's throwing that fastball. And then it just drops in just a few miles an hour under what they were expecting. So I'm very excited to see how he can kind of put that all to work. I mean, his last outing, he pitched two innings, um, gave up a couple of hits, but they were all singles, got to a three ball count once in the entire outing, and he faced 10 hitters. Like, that's amazing to me because the one big thing that the Reds had had, uh, one big problem that they'd had for the last decade when it comes to developing pitchers is they come out and they can't throw strikes. And that's all he's been throwing this spring, and I am so excited to see that. So far as other guys who can make some big impacts, I'm looking forward to Nick Lodolo. Both these guys figure to be, if not one, two, definitely top three when it comes to the Reds pitching staff for the next, you know, you know, whatever, four or five, six years when it comes to their arbitration. 
Um, Nicola Dolo is fantastic. A left-hander with all the command in the world. Just a very smart and calm pitcher on the mound. Does not look like anything's going to rattle this guy. I'd, I'd be interested to see what does. But, I mean, his stuff is not as electric as Hunter Green, but he controls it all very well with good command, too. So with that, I want to see him pitch a lot early on. Uh, the management of these guys' arms is going to be the most important storyline for the Reds all year long because I don't think they're going to make the playoffs. I, as much as I love them, I think that that is the every single thing has to go right scenario for them to make it. So with that, I think the most important thing for them to focus on is how do we manage these guys because their futures are super promising. Lodolo figures to be a middle-of-the-rotation guy, and Hunter Green has been expected and been said by many other scouts that there's going to be a perennial Cy Young contender. It's not even like going crazy with the expectations here. So I, I want to see how they manage them because I think that they're both going to make huge impacts starting this year for the Reds and for years to come. I just can't get over the fact that you just said 104 miles an hour like it was no big deal. <laughs> yeah. uh, I, I'm, I, uh, I, Chapman, you know. Yeah. Oh, Chapman. man. He, I find, he desensitizes. Actually, <laughs> right? It's for real. I find myself uh, looking back on the socials if you've been paying attention to the college ball at all, but Ben Joyce for Tennessee, how he's been throwing like 101, 102, and it's just blowing up all over the social medias. can only imagine if Hunter Green goes 104. What what it's going to do to the to the world of baseball Twitter or baseball social media? It's just going to be absolutely insane. I I cannot wait because whenever Chapman was first coming up, Twitter was not that big, mm -hmm. and it really missed out on that uh, opportunity because every time that dude came into the game, people stood on their feet. I don't care if you're sitting in the third deck, Great American Ballpark, you stood on your feet because you're like, he's going to hit hundred. And then every time he reared back and threw the plate, you were looking at the radar gun like, what do you got? And now that's how it's going to be with Hunter Green, except instead of one inning, it's going to be five, six, hopefully way more than that, too, uh, during a game. And you're just going to be like, radar says. And I think I might make that a segment in my podcast. I don't know. Ooh. But, yeah. That's <laughs> a good one. So that's fun. a good idea. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, with Twitter wasn't really a big deal with uh, that fast pitcher Chapman. You know, back then, could you imagine if Twitter was available and like Ken Griffey Jr. was there? What what it would do? I just like like just or the or just social media in general, like just being able to yeah. see the constant feedback of seeing the kid in like even in his early Seattle days or even with the Cincinnati days, it, it would have been, you know, I I don't know how it would be. I feel like you get a lot of bad crap talking about how injured he was all the time. But yeah, that's true. It it would have turned toxic really quick. But I will say like how. How would the Twitter servers have handled 1998? Like, oh, 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 man. would they have actually worked? Because no. I think people just would have been uh, just <laughs> just unloading about all of the home runs. Like, that would have been hilarious. Oh, man. <laughs> that, you know, now we have the conversation. You just brought that up with 1998 with the home run fest. There's no longer steroids in the – or they're not testing for steroids this year. Uh, I know that this isn't really since the I talk, but just bring it up. They're not, they're not testing for steroids this year. So right after another CBA, um, you see anything become of that? <laughs> Are they begging for another steroid? Or they're like, right. it saved us last time. We got to make sure it saves us again. Uh, that would be the ultimate, like, just absolute um, and middle of defeat by yeah. Major League Baseball because they, they do this whole thing. Then they take on a crusade of we got to rid the sport of steroids. And if you just welcome them back, you're not allowed to do it again. Like, we're not we're not talking about like, oh, yeah, we got to keep these guys out of the Hall of Fame. No, welcome them yeah. in. And then let's see what else happens. <laughs> I find it quite ironic, too, that it, they say it's OK. The 
the year after Barry Bonds is no longer eligible. But hey, different, whole different. Well, that's a whole different fight for a whole different podcast. <laughs> uh, but let's wrap this one up here and let's uh, get your predictions for 2022 for the Cincinnati Reds. There's a lot to unpack as we've already done here a little bit with what happened with this offseason. We saw them as a potential playoff team last year. If the we had this, if we had the playoff results we're going to have this year uh, with the expanded playoffs, we the, the Reds would have been a playoff team. 87 wins is about the average based on the last 10 years of a six seed. Can with, with with this NL Central with the Brewers with that tough rotation with the Cardinals with Big Red Machine Albert Pujols come back. He's not gonna make that much difference, but I still have to say that out loud. But um, having Pujols come back to the Cardinals, you know. Um, with the Cubs, who knows what the Cubs are going to be? To be honest, it's really crapshoot in my opinion. Where's the Reds fit in all of this? I think they finish ahead of the Cubs, but I definitely think it's behind the Brewers and Cardinals. I would really love to say they are going to catch lightning in a bottle, but they have about seven bottles that they need to catch lightning in each one of them for them to be anywhere near the playoffs. So I think that... Overall, and, and last week I was talking about my predictions, and I said 73. I think they've gotten a little bit better. I think they're 78. 78 wins uh, for 2022 for this Red Legs team. They're going to miss the playoffs pretty soundly. There's there's too many good teams, and especially, I mean, you think about wild card teams that got better. The Phillies got way better. The Phillies are actually going to compete with the Mets for that division. Um, I still think the Mets win it, but they're going to be right there. The Braves are going to be right there as well. And then you look out west, the Padres – while they didn't really get much better, they didn't get much worse either. And the Giants are still hanging around. And then you got the freaking super team that is the Dodgers. Like, I, I still think that the Reds are not going to be boring. They're not going to lay down and, and, and be done by, like, June. But are they going to be done by August? Probably. Probably. Uh, I, and I don't even know that they'll be sellers too. Cause that's the one thing people talked about with the Tommy fam deal and the Hunter Strickland deal and the Mike minor deal. They're like, okay, this is a smart play for the reds. If they turn these guys around for prospects at the deadline, I can tell you right now, that's not what this reds ownership regime is talking about. They think that this team is, can compete for the playoffs. And I just don't think they're going to make it. So you're saying if they're sitting around uh, a competitive chance around the deadline, they're just going to keep moving on. Any chance they become buyers? I don't think so, <laughs> only because that would mean they'd have to take on money. If they found a situation where they didn't have to take on that much money, then maybe. But I, I just think this team doesn't have one hole. They have multiple holes that would either need to be filled by guys making huge bounce backs, i.e. Mike Moustakis, Nixon Zell, um, or guys just figuring out how to hit a curveball like Aristides Aquino. And then I, I look at all of that and I say, it's not all going to happen at one time. I, I, but I also don't think the Reds are going to be sellers either. So they're going to stand pat and everybody's going to continue to wonder what the direction is because I don't even think the people that are making the directions up know what the direction is. Oh, man. With all these different successes right now in Cincinnati, with you know the University of Cincinnati doing great, the Bengals doing great, and then the Reds in this purgatory world of of the NL central right now. How's that feel covering this, uh, this team and being a fan? Cause I know you're a fan as well. Oh yeah. No, it's a, uh, it's a bummer. I'm not going to lie. I, I never thought I'd see the day that Mike Brown was not the least uh, popular person in Cincinnati. Bob Castellini has soundly taken over that title. 
Uh, and as far as expectations go, the Reds are firmly in third in their own city, let alone the NL Central. But, I mean, expectations are way higher for Cincinnati football, even coming after coming off a year where they make the national football playoff and they lose their quarterback and they lose a lot of key players. They're still going to be super good this year. And then the Bengals, of course. I mean, good Lord. I don't know. I, I you're not. It's really hard to make it back to the Super Bowl, but you're not going to convince me that they're not making the playoffs. They're definitely going back to the playoffs. So this Reds team has looked at all of that and said, you know what? I think we can do that. We just don't have to, you know, work that hard to get there, and it's not going to pay off. Yeah. With that being said, it's going to be a long season for Cincinnati Reds, I feel it. But it's a very interesting division. I love watching NL Central Baseball. Yeah. Always great pitching. Uh, there's always a good storyline. You know, the Castellanos Molina storyline last year with the Cardinals. And, you know, I mean, that was absolutely incredible. Uh, and then there's always the talks with older veterans on the team. For example, you know, Molina on the Cardinals, but Joey Votto for the yeah. Reds. We gonna is this the last year we see him uh, in a baseball uniform? Or you think he's still got a few left on him? I think he plays out his contract at least. I don't know if there's more baseball past the contract, but like hitting 38 home runs last year completely reset every expectation we have for him because I thought you know decline phase here we go. It's, you know we're gonna start just reminiscing on the good times with Joey. Now he's actually chasing the franchise all-time franchise leader in home runs, and he might be able to supplant him in Johnny bench. And that in and of itself is just remarkable to talk about, but yeah, you, you talk about the old dudes in the NL central. I need a picture and I might like, see if I can get a poster of it. It's like, give me a picture of Joey Votto, Yadier Molina, Adam Wainwright and Albert Pujols all standing around each other and just being like, all right, who's older? Let's go. <laughs> oh, I hope there's, they find a way to get all four of them in a picture during one of the series this year. Cause that would, that would be worth putting on a wall. That would be a yeah. really cool picture. Oh man, this, you're, you're making me so excited for baseball. You didn't have to do it. I'm already that excited, but um, Hey, if you can make me excited when we talk to Cincinnati Reds, no, no, no harm intended here. You're doing something right because they're going to be tough to watch. And you helped me clear up a lot of things today because I did not know what the hell was going on. We, I mean, come on, let's be honest with the Cincinnati Reds. We still don't know what's going on, right? You said that, but at least we summed up some of the reasons why they did what they did. Jeff, right. thank, thank you so much for joining me on this podcast. I really appreciate you joining me. Before you go, though, please let all the listeners know where you can where they can find you, let them know about Lockdown Reds, and where they can get you and listen and subscribe. Absolutely. Thanks again for having me, Christian. You can follow me on Twitter at Jeff Carr with three Fs. You can also follow the show at Lockdown Reds. You can follow my co-host, too, at S. Offenbaker, Steve Offenbaker as we talk about Reds every single day on the Twitterverse, and you can find the podcast everywhere podcasts are sold, including YouTube. Oh, yeah, I got to get that YouTube. That's something that I um, are starting to grow over here as well, that YouTube, it's a fun one to, to grow up, uh, but we'll see. But you can find all that information to where to listen, where to find Jeff and where to listen to Lockdown Reds in the show notes below. Um, and that's going to wrap it up here for this episode of The Route Report. Really appreciate you all listening. We'll be back with another 30-team preview. We're almost done. We've almost finished them all up. Uh, but we'll be back, and we'll get them all finished before opening day. It's going to be a great time. Take care, everyone. We'll be back for another episode. Bye now. Thanks for listening. Tune in weekdays for more of The Route Report.
planning on traveling this summer? Make saving at the pump part of your plans with two times the fuel points from Harris Teeter. It's easy. Download your eVIC coupon, and for every dollar you spend with your VIC card, you'll get two fuel points. That's up to $1 per gallon on quality fuel at participating BP and Harris Teeter fuel centers. Download your eVIC coupon today and save money at the pump all summer long with eVIC and Harris Teeter fuel points. Hurry in to Mattress Firm's July 4th sale. Get a king bed for the price of a queen or a queen for a twin and save up to $500 on Sealy. Plus, get a free adjustable base with qualifying Sealy purchase, up to a $4.99 value. Or shop Tempur-Pedic, the most highly recommended bed in America, and save $500 on all Tempur-Breeze mattresses and get a $300 instant gift good towards sleep accessories. Only at Mattress Firm. Restrictions apply. See store or mattressfirm.com for details.